You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Hey, welcome. I'm so glad that you tuned in uh, for another Leader Sight message. You're going to love this message. The title of my message today is Defeating the Devourer. Defeating the Devourer. Come with me in your Bibles. It's going to make more sense if I read the Scripture and then we, we look at it. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. 1 Peter 5, verses 7 and 8 says this. It says, Casting all your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. Be sober, verse 8. Be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Whom he may devour. The Bible introduces to us the truth that there is a devourer present. The Bible makes it very, very clear that there is, a, there, is a, there is the presence of a devourer in this world. We know that there is the blessing of God. We know that there is uh, angelic host, but we also know that there is demonic. We also know that there is satanic. And we also know that Satan and the, the demons come to devour. And so there are many, many Christians that I believe that live maybe unaware of the devourer. Paul says that we're not to be ignorant of the devil and his devices. So today I just want to give you a couple of thoughts on how to defeat the devourer in your life. Sadly, so many saints live below what God has for them. So many people live below what God has because they allow the devourer more room. Now, I want you to know there, it says, seeking whom he may devour. So he, he is looking for permission. May means permission. So there are some people he may not devour. I don't know about you, but I want to move my life. I want to move my bride. I want to move my children. I want to move my marriage, my family, my finances in across the ledger into this side that is under the may not. You may not devour my finances. You may not devour my marriage. You may not devour my passion. You may not devour my family. You may not devour, devour my children. You may not devour my destiny. You may not devour my potential. You may not devour my future. You may not devour. I'm going to move my life into that. So that's what I want to teach this morning. So, <coughs> excuse me. So the first one here, 1 Peter 5, 7. It's interesting that it links into verse 8. So let me give you three quick points. Point number one is don't carry what you're not meant to. Don't carry what you're not meant to. There are so many, so many people, they've allowed the enemy to devour their peace, devour their joy, devour their blessing, devour God's goodness in their life because they carry things they're not meant to carry. It says casting most of your cares, sorry, casting some of your cares. It says casting all Come on, how many people know that all means all? Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. It's no coincidence that verse 7 leads into verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So Peter is trying to tell us here that if you're carrying all your cares, if you're carrying all your stress, if you're carrying all your anxieties, if you're carrying all your, your burdens, then you make yourself a prime candidate for the enemy to attack you. You make yourself a prime candidate for the enemy to come after you. Anxiety, stress, worry, fear, 
hand it over. Don't carry it. You, you ought to have, you ought to understand that as a leader, you'd have to learn how to roll off onto. The, the word cast your cares literally means roll off that burden onto Jesus, for he cares for you. If you don't have a, a morning start and an evening finish with Christ, then, then it's probably a good habit to get into. Because I found that the enemy, Goliath, came out morning and evening, morning and evening. He was piping off in the morning, give me a man. I defy the armies of God. And the Bible says he came out at evening. There are 12 hours in the day, 12 hours in the night. 12 is the number of government. You may have bound the devil in the morning, but when that sun sets, you've got to do it all over again. Because there are tw otherwise he'll rob you of your peace. He'll rob you of your sleep. You'll have all kinds of weird nightmarish dreams. You want to make sure that you are morning and evening, morning and evening. Commit your day to the Lord in the morning. And then at night, roll off onto Jesus. Give Jesus every burden. Give him every care. Give him every stress. Give him every worry. Give him every fear. Give him every piece of anxiety. You know, there's an old bumper sticker that says that worry is a poor substitute for prayer. And I'm going to put my amen on the back of that. Don't, don't, don't. Don't let your worry out, outweigh your prayers. If you even feel the slightest worry, you know, how, how have we survived in you know, almost 30 years, three decades now of ministry is I've just realized that uh, God has called me to build the church, but he is building the church through me. The enemy would like me to believe that it's all up to me, that, you know, that if I don't do it, then it ain't going to get done. But I understood that God is wheels within wheels, that God is the one building his house. Unless the Lord builds a house, the laborers labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So I've had to learn how to roll off onto God. I've had to learn how to, and what I found is as soon as I roll it off onto God, I release a power that I can't do. What I can accomplish with my might, with my hand, is nowhere near what he can accomplish with his hand. When we went into the, the, uh, COVID lockdown and uh, I was on a phone call with some other pastors and leaders around the world and they're saying, yeah, we're already reducing our budgets and, and uh, by 20 or 30% and, you know, we've got a plan in place for how do we run on 50% and I'm like, whoa, wow, you, you've already bowed your knee to, to COVID and, uh, and so we just made a, a decision again that just roll off onto Jesus, roll off onto Jesus it's not like God is in heaven going, Gabriel, I started the church, but I'm not sure I can maintain it. It was a brilliant idea. I just didn't think it through. Come on, how many people know that God is still building his church? So we just rolled off on a Jesus. I know in 2008 when the GFC hit, we just decided, hey, let's just, you know, let's just skip this one. Let's just, you know, we'll just sit this one out. We'll catch it. We'll catch it on the next one. This, you know, booms and busts. They come in cycles. There'll be another one. There'll be another GFC. There'll be another, you know, bus. We'll, you know, we'll see on the next time round. And even then, I just thought, you know what? Yeah, COVID's not. So we end up buying a building in Salt Lake City. We weren't looking for a building. We get a $14 million building for half price. And uh, because God, God was just, God, God was good. God's still building his church. Does, do you know that God does not need favorable conditions to work? God does not need a bustling economy for him to still bless you. It's not like every year there are angels that say the, the blessing of the Lord no longer works in the following cities. New York, San Francisco, San Diego. The blessing of God makes one rich and adds no sorrow with it no matter where you live. No matter where you live. 
the principles of God are not subject. The principles of God are not subject to the economies of, of men. The principles of God work no matter where, wherever they're applied. God is no respecter of persons. So the Bible says in, in Philippians 4, 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So be anxious for nothing. So don't be anxious for anything. The Bible commands you, be anxious for nothing. Well, you don't understand what's going on. We might be evicted from our, be anxious for nothing. Yeah, but you don't understand, you know, my spouse and I, we're fighting or be anxious for nothing. I'm really worried about my, be anxious for nothing. Yeah, but right now, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. The only time you need to be anxious is if you're anxious. Because if you're anxious, it's telling me that you're not doing 1 Peter 5, 7. You're not casting your cares on Jesus because you've got all the anxiety. And if you're not casting your cares on Jesus, then 1 Peter 5, 8, which follows 1 Peter 5, 7, says that the enemy is roaming around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And you know who may devour? The one who has not made the Lord his shelter. The one who has not made God his refuge, his strong tower, his fortress, his shield. The Bible says the, the, the Lord has his angels surrounding. The angel of the Lord surrounds those who are his. Make a decision that you're going to cast off onto Jesus, that you're going to cast off onto Jesus all your cares. Don't carry them. It's amazing how many marriages, because of grudges and bitterness from the past, cast them onto Jesus. Jesus wants you to have a great marriage. Your spouse may not be listening to you. Whining and complaining doesn't help, but bringing that to Jesus, bringing that, it's amazing how God can speak to your spouse in a dream. I know that so many times because there's been many things that I would not listen to when Leanne was trying to tell me, and then God had to nail me in a dream, and I'm like, oh, shoot, I was wrong. She's like, yeah, I've been trying to tell you for months. And the God loves you. God loves your marriage. God loves your family. Don't you carry it and don't you try to, with the arm of the flesh, establish kingdom things. Take it to God. Bitterness ruins relationships. Bitterness. And bitterness usually comes from disappointments. They end up little resentments. They give it all to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I give all of this to you. I give all of this to you. You know, the Middle East is chaos because little children who are, who are one and two already hate Israel. Because they, they, they've, been, they've been raised to hate Israel because they take generational offenses and they pass them on. So these kids are just raised to, I hate you because you did this to my grandma. I hate you because you did this to... And so no wonder there's no peace. They're sowing discord. They're sowing disunity. They're sowing bitterness. And no wonder the enemy devours peace. No wonder he devours you know, the land with, with war and with strife and with torment and kids and skirmishes and missiles and bombs and everything else because they are raised not casting their cares on Jesus not giving it over to God give it over to God when you give things over to God this is what happens as soon as you give your burden as soon as you give your worry as soon as you give your anxieties to God you enlist the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is your helper I have found that every time I've had a worry whether it's the burden of the church you know payroll buildings you know strategy budgets all that kind of stuff Whenever I roll that onto Jesus, it's amazing. As soon as I roll it onto Jesus, it's like the stone's been rolled away. And now light can penetrate. And now I hear the Holy Spirit who'll give me a strategy.
I'll hear the Holy Spirit who will give me a word. You, you've all heard the story of when Leanne and I were in New Zealand and uh, we'd moved into a house and we were paying for that. We we're going to buy the house and uh, the, the people selling it said, listen, why don't you move in? Hey, you know, it should be a... It should just be a, a matter of formality it, once the banks get every, all the documents. But just why don't you go ahead and move in? So we'd already moved in, started ripping up the carpet and tearing off the wallpaper. And, and, and then I have this horrible dream where the bank is going to renege. The bank is going to say, because no one will insure you, we can't actually give you the loan. Therefore, you can't have the house. And we just had our little baby, baby Jordan, was born and I'm like, no, no, God, no, no, you got to fix this. No, this can't. No, 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 la, 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 no, no. And so, so it's maybe two or three in the morning. I can't sleep and I go down to the Manukau Harbor, which was right where we were living. And you've all heard the story. It's stormy. It's windy. It's blowing in my face. And I'm crying out to God saying, God, you got to fix this. You got to fix this. And I look out and I see a, a little boat with people in it. And, I, and it looked real. I thought it was real, but it was a vision. And then I see a man walking on the sea, walking on the, on the boisterous waters. And then I see him stop and I see him go like this. And I see a man in the boat get out. And I realize it's Jesus, God showing me a, a vision of Jesus walking on the water. And it's the disciples. And Peter gets out and walks. And he gets about halfway to Jesus. And he's looking around. And then he begins to sink. And I see Jesus kind of, you know, kind of jog to him, grab him by the arm and pull him up. And then the two of them walk together and get into the boat. As they get into the boat, the word of the Lord comes to me and says, Jürgen, even if your faith fails, I'm here to pick you up. Because I know that story. I know that story. I know that Jesus beginning to sing cries out, you know, Jesus, master, save me. And Jesus grabs him by the arm and pulls him up and says, oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And then the two of them walked together. I never saw that before, but God showed me in a vision. As soon as I cast my care onto Jesus, it was amazing how the Holy Spirit was now able to speak to me. We find this beautiful scripture, or this beautiful principle all the way through the scriptures. When David has his own son, Absalom, conspire against him to take the throne, to take the kingdom from, from, uh, from David. David doesn't get Joab to raise an army. He doesn't battle, doesn't fight his son. He just leaves. He just leaves the palace, leaves everything in order, leaves everything there. And he takes with him and his men and he goes into the wilderness without a battle, without a fight. And, and all his men are like, man, aren't you going to fight? You, you, you're the king and, and this guy is a usurper and he's, he's, he's proclaimed himself king. Aren't you going to fight for it? And David, David basically says, I'm going to give it all over to God. The same God that anointed me, the same God that pulled me out of the sheepfolds, the same God that was with me that, that uh, when I defeated Goliath is the same God as, that has brought this kingdom about. If this is from God, then I'll gladly pass the torch to, to Absalom, but I'm not going to try and fight with my hand for something that can only be established by God's hand. And so he left. And because he left, he was in peace, but he gave it to God. And we saw that God brought all, all the background. Can you trust God? Your ability to not trust God creates room for the devourer to come in and begin to wreak havoc in your life. Make a decision. I'm going to defeat the devourer. I'm going to trust God. The Bible says, Jesus speaking, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news and to heal the brokenhearted. It is amazing and a sad thing how many Christians live out of their wounds. I'm never going to trust another person in authority because I was, you're allowing the enemy to come in because of somebody's abuse, because of somebody's neglect, because somebody violated 
their authority in the past. You've made a decision. No, I'm actually going to guard my heart. I'm not going to ever trust again. Why don't you let Jesus heal your heart and then the Holy Spirit will begin to whisper you and give you discernment so that you don't have to be burnt again, but not trusting, not submitting to authority is not going to help you. You need, it's amazing as, as we've grown up, how many bitter pastor's wives we've seen. I just thank God that we are absolutely smashing that mold and that image. But I've got to tell you, my probably first two decades of being a pastor, I, all I saw was bitter pastor's wives everywhere. The pastor leading the church and the wife bitter, cold, shut down, just a shell of what she was because she was hurt. She was rejected. She invested into people, invested, had people around for dinner or loved on people only to find that they betrayed or they gossiped or they split the church or they left. And so to protect herself, self-preservation, she put walls up in her heart. She's never going to go out there again. She's never going to give herself again and lives as a shell. The enemy is already devoured all of her potential. The enemy's already devoured the light that she's meant to be bringing into the house of God. And uh, we've made a decision. That's not how it's going to be here. We're going to allow Jesus to heal. Listen, there's a reason he heals the brokenhearted because there are going to be times where your heart's going to be broken. Well, you don't understand. I got offended. Jesus said offenses must come. Offenses must come. But blessed are those who are not offended because of me. So don't lift your offense above Jesus. You will get offended. You will get offended. In fact, God will even see to it that you get offended. Because he can't grow you unless there's something you've got to overcome. So there are going to be moments where God is going to say, okay, you're offended. Can you forgive? You're offended. Can you be bigger than that? Our Christian life is constantly, it is a, it's almost a joke now. How often... Things that come our way that we could take offense or that I'm like, oh, wow, again. Oh, I guess God's growing me to another level. I guess I'm growing to, you know what? Forgive them. God, I bless them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They know not what they do. Lord, I bless. They may curse, but I'm going to bless. They may dishonor, I'm going to honor. They may so hate, I'm going to so love back. Don't let the enemy devour you because of what other people do. We, we, you know, another big thing that I saw in America uh, is the man of God isolation. The man of God isolation, you know, because he's the man of God. He removes himself from the people because he's got to be holy. Because apparently you can only be holy by being completely separated from, from the plebs. But really what a lot of it is, is I will never let anybody reject me again. I'll ne never let anybody reject me again. I, I had counsel from a, a pastor and, and literally he was carrying the wounds of betrayal in his heart. And so he was trying to say, don't raise up leaders and preachers because they'll leave you and they'll go and do their own thing and they'll hurt you and they'll hurt your church. Because he'd been wounded by betrayal, never had that healed. So his counsel was now, don't, don't, whatever you do, if you see potential in people, squash it, don't raise it, don't develop it. I remember a number of years ago, the Holy Spirit asked me this question. He said, can Judas serve on your team? I'm like, not a, not a chance. He's like, really? I said, oh, mate. I said, God, have you seen our team? Loyal. I said, if, if, if we had a Judas, we'd sniff him out like that. And so the Holy Spirit came then and said, oh, so you think Jesus made a mistake? I'm like, oh, what? 
He's like, you think Jesus made a mistake then choosing Judas? Oh, no, no, I, I didn't say that. And then the word of the Lord came to me again. Can Judas serve on your team? In other words, can you pour into, can you invest into, can you love on, feed from your table, bless with your hand, somebody who might ultimately betray you and stab you in the back for their own personal gain? And I had no idea what God was doing was he had a measuring rod. He had a measuring reed in his hand. And he was trying to measure my destiny. He was trying to measure my leadership capacity. He was trying to determine how much of the kingdom to bestow, how much of the future to put on my life. And then the word of the Lord came a third time, can Judas serve on your team? And I said, Lord, absolutely. Judas can serve on my team. I will not shrink back. I will not step back because I poured into somebody and they betrayed me. I poured into somebody that when, when Judas came to kiss, when Judas came to betray Jesus, he does it with a kiss, does it with a kiss. And Jesus looks at him and says, friend, do what you've come to do. I'd be like, he's leaning in for a kiss. I'll boom, bam, bam. Oh, that's bleeding. Just put your head back, Judas. Yeah, it's probably broken. That would be me, but I'm not Jesus. Jesus looks at him and said, this is not a friend. That's not how friends behave. Friend, do what you've come to do. Do what you've come to do. I've already run out of time. I've got three points. If you're watching this and I'm only on point one, and you're away from God, you need to come back to God. If you're far from God, come back. Go to awakenchurch.com forward slash Jesus. Uh, this is the end of part one, but give your life to Christ. Surrender to Christ. Come to Christ. Let God do something powerful and mighty in you. Don't allow the enemy to devour. And he devours your peace. You're tormented by things that happened to you, things that people should have done that they didn't do, covering that should have been there that wasn't there, uncovering that happened. Bit. Don't live like that. Cast all your cares, not some of your cares, not most of your cares. Cast all your cares on Christ, for he cares for you. This is what I've discovered. I could not stop men from wounding me. I still can't. I still can't stop the actions and the behavior of people. And I refuse to live in an ivory tower in a castle so far away because I've made an idol out of me not being hurt. I understand that if I'm going to live in a broken, fallen world, I will be hurt. But you know what I found? That for every hurt, there is a healer. The Bible says that God has anointed Jesus to preach the good news and the Spirit of the Lord is upon him to heal the brokenhearted. That means anytime my heart is broken, I can go to Jesus who brings healing. Can I encourage you to do the same thing? Go to Jesus. He will heal you. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.